0: Well, it's good to have all of you here with us. And I'm very, very excited about the time that we're going to have together in these next few moments. Uh, You know, just keep your heart open to whatever God wants to communicate to you today, because I believe God wants to communicate uh, to each of us. And sometimes He does that in in different kinds of ways. So, um, all that to say, welcome back for part three. And I want to just mention to you that next week, and I've been saying this, uh, there's people that will come to church certain times of the year, like Easter or uh, Christmas. Uh, More so than any other time of the year, they'll come for special events if they're unchurched people, maybe even really far from God. But a lot of times, people who ordinarily would not come to church at all will come uh, during the Christmas season. So I've been sharing with you that if you've got people like that you work with or friends that you have, uh, you know, they're unchurched or people that are in your family and they're unchurched and you're like, you know, I'm not going to be able to get them here for like the whole series but I think I can get them here once, then uh, next week will be the week that you will, de- it's last week, obviously, Obviously, but I would encourage you, because I know where we're going with that service, and where we're going with that message, and so I want to encourage you, if there's people in your life that you know and love, and they're not a part of a church, but you're, you think you can get them here, do everything you can, do everything you can to get them here, uh, next week, I-, I love this time of year. It's not that I don't like a lot of other times of the year. I have certain times, you know, in a f- typical calendar year that I look forward to. I always love the time leading up to Easter, and Easter of next year, we're going to be doing something really, really neat. We've never done it before. I don't think we've ever done it in the history of our church, and so we're going to be doing that. And I will say more of that about that. You know, a couple of months into a new year, I love that time of year. I love the summer months because I love the beach and I love the fact that our entire family. Uh, typically is able to get together, usually, we do it in the month of july and and since before Audrey was born, and she 's now she 's now getting up there she 's uh, like a whopping 20, 21 years old now since before she was born we 've been going to the beach, starting a long long time ago. I look forward to that time, but this is the time of year this is the season that I enjoy more than any other time of the year. How many of you are a little bit like that as well? Like Christmas season is like your favorite season. And having mentioned season, isn't it unique? Uh, I've been in Florida. You know that I'm from Georgia, but I've been in Florida longer than I ever lived in Georgia. So just for the record, that has been true. And how many of you are like me? You've been in Florida so long, you've got it figured out uh, that we don 't have four seasons in Florida we don 't we don't we, we don 't have uh, how many of you pl- come from places maybe where you were born and raised that had four seasons let me just see your hand wave at me where you came from there was four seasons there's like spring and summer and fall and winter and then you 've been in like me maybe uh, maybe in Florida so long you know there 's not four there's only three seasons there's summer and there 's winter and there 's football season that 's all it's just three it's just three seasons now but I love this time of year for a lot of reasons. Just getting together, and and you've heard me mention about it. Uh, you know the grandkids are coming, and that's like hugely exciting to us right now. Pick them up from the airport about noon a week from tomorrow, and and that's going to be great. We're talking to them. In fact, I was uh, talking to Kingley the other day. She's the oldest. She's five, and I'm like, "What movies do you want Papa to take you?" And she's like, "This one and that one." So we're going to be busy doing that. And I said, "Hurry and get to Florida, Kingley, Hurry!" And she said, I I'm coming, Paul, I'm coming. And so we're excited about that. And so they'll be here. And so we love that time, getting together with family. and, And you love the Christmas time because of getting together. If you have an opportunity to do that, I hope you will, because that's a special time how many of you also love the food of Christmas? Wave at me. Well, you like the food of Christmas? How many of you have already had too much of the food of Christmas? You're like, you've had your monthly quota already and it's just the 16th. So lots of food more so than usual. And I've been trying to behave as much as possible in terms of eating clean and a little splurge meal here and there. But I'm telling you on, uh, on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, it's like the Old Testament year of Jubilee for me. And I, I, those two days i love I love the food that we have Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. I love the music don't you love the music of Christmas? I love it, I love it. And uh, I listen to it all the time, start early. Some people start way earlier than I do, but as you get into the month of December, and so when I'm in the car, you know, I'm, I'm turning, finding some Christmas music. And then when I get up, my alarm clock goes off at 5 a.m. every morning. And, uh, you know, I go to the channel that, uh, that you can listen to Christmas music while I get ready. And so I just love that. And you probably have these favorite songs. And I've heard some songs this year that are older songs, but uh, I don't remember them, and I'm, I'm just like listening to them. Now, uh, I'm going to mention a few uh, Christmas songs, just a few, and then I'll mention uh, some Christmas songs that are Christian Christmas songs. But uh, maybe if you've got uh, some fondness or a little love for some of these songs, maybe you just sort of call out. Let me just sort of hear. How many of you really enjoy, I like this one, a holly jolly Christmas? You like that? You know, is that a, is that a good one? How about white Christmas? Is that a good one? You like white Christmas? Yeah, you can call out, applaud, you know, do whatever you want, smack your neighbor, do whatever you want to do. It's just like, Uh, any of you tune into a little bit of Elvis, it's all right, Uh, you know, admit it, you know, Elvis on a shelf, or is that elf on a shelf? I get confused. Uh, Elvis, what's like, any of you have heard blue Christmas at least, don't you just love that? You know, if I could sing, you better be glad, by the way, I can't sing. I'd be singing all the time. I'd love to sing Elvis's blue, blue. Well, I'm, I'm not even going to go there. His blue, his blue Christmas. How about this one? Please come home for Christmas. You like that one? Is that, did somebody say no? Oh, I thought I heard somebody say no. They they don't like that one. I, I don't know. How about this one? All right, admit it. Admit it if you like it. Santa Claus is coming to town. You like that? You like that? That's a great one. Now, how about these? These are more sacred. These these are ones that have some nostalgia in our hearts. How about this one? Do you hear what I hear? That's a great song. I love this one. This one I love hearing, love to sing, singing it while I'm by myself. Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem. That's a great song, isn't it? How about this one? Oh, Holy Night. That's a fantastic. Away in a Manger. It's a great song. And then the one that the band just sang probably is the most classic of all Christian Christmas songs, Silent Night. That's a great song, isn't it? Silent Night. How many of you enjoy Silent Night? You'll sing it. We'll probably, I'm sure, sing it Christmas Eve when we have that one-hour service at the North Campus here in just a matter of days, about eight days now. A Silent Night. We typically end that service by singing that together. It's just beautiful. Now, it's possible as we've come to part three in this message series, the light of Christmas, it's, it's possible that you have not heard a message quite like the one that you're about to hear because it actually deals with, and you're, you're like, when we get through with this, you're gonna be like, how did that really come up in Christmas? And you're gonna see, hang with me, and you're gonna see it leads us right up to the Christmas story. But the message today actually deals with about 400 years of silent nights leading up to the birth of Jesus. 400 years of silent nights leading up to the birth of Jesus. Maybe nobody has ever told you what I'm about to tell you, or maybe if they told you, you weren't really listening or paying attention. But a lot of you may not know this. Some of you do, of course, but a lot of you do not realize yet, you will from this point forward, that between Malachi chapter 4 and verse 6... Which is the very last verse of the Old Testament. All right, if you were to take your Bible, it's actually like two books into one book, like the Old Covenant, and I'm not gonna get into all that. The Old Covenant and covenant made with Israel and the new covenant that you know initiated with Jesus, and all that. So it's like the Old Testament and New Testament merged together in the Bible. And you go to you go to Malachi chapter four and verse six which is the very last verse in the Old Testament, and then you come into the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1. It's not long after that. We're into the Christmas story with the birth of Jesus. What a lot of you don't realize when you pick up your Bible and you just see that little page, maybe it's two, but in most Bibles, it's like a page between the Old Testament and New Testament. A lot of you maybe have never realized that that one little page represents about 400 years. About 400 years between the time of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Roughly about 146,000, 146,000 silent nights. And by that, there's no prophets of God. There's no word from God. uh, God is not speaking. There is silence. uh, And you can't help but wonder. I mean, when you take that Malachi 4, 6, Matthew 1, and you just say, there's a 400-year gap of silence there. You can't help but wonder, well, what is God doing? What is God doing in all those silent nights, 146,000 silent nights or so? What is God doing during that time? What is God up to? Maybe you wonder, you know, uh, as you speculate, you know, was God silent that long because he was like, like mad? You know, there's times we read the Old Testament and see that God gets mad because of rebellion and stubbornness and stiff-neckedness and disobedience. He says, has God gone silent because he's mad? It's not because he's mad. Is he indifferent? You know, is God like that's, you know, because like God gave us the sabbatical like one day, but God says, no, I'm going to just stretch my sabbatical to 400 years. I'm just going to take 400 years off. And obviously that's, that would be incorrect as well. But you can't help but wonder why so many silent nights? And I want you to think about that today. We're going to talk about it. So Malachi ends, and again, this is unique. I've never shared this in any message at Christmas or any other time of the year. So Malachi ends, and the curtain closes on the Old Testament, and it's a very, very long time before the Christmas story ever begins. And again, you have to ask, what, if anything, is planned out for 146,000 silent nights? And just maybe your interest in this is peaked just as mine is because you, in your own life, have personally experienced some silent nights or a silent season in your own life. Uh, I heard, in fact, I talked to Carol Baggett last, last night, and she lost her, her mom. And uh, her mom, you know, late 80s, I believe, almost 90, and lost her dad about um, a month ago. And, you know, talking to Carol and then I was having a conversation with somebody this week and, you know, Christmas now, losing mom and dad and grandma, And uh, I mentioned that, so I don't want to uh, overplay that. But the fact of the matter is I miss them throughout the year, but there's something about, in fact, this week, I don't know what it was. I don't know if I saw something or thought about something, but I'm like, you know, I just wish right now it's one day in particular, really a couple of days, but one day in particular that I just really, really, really wanted to talk to my dad. And I just remember, it's not that long ago. And then, you know, dad had passed away in September. And most of you know the story by now. Mom, and you know, in January, July, the kids had just moved. The July prior to dad passing away had just moved to Illinois. And, and you know, that, that was just a tough time. And Some of you remember. You know, I'm not a crier. I'm not, I'm not a crier. I should be more of a crier, but I'm not a crier. But I had several mornings. i just, I just wake up, and the first thing i do before going to the gym or anything, i just have myself a good cry. And it just, it was a tough time one of the toughest times ever in my entire life, just the loss of my mom and dad, just all there, and you know, compounded with the great And so it just, and maybe it's not been that in your life, but maybe it's been something in your work, or maybe it's been something in your health, or maybe it's been something in your marriage, and you're like asking God to do something spectacular, and it seems like, you know, there's no answers, and nothing's getting better, nothing's getting better at work, nothing's getting better at home, nothing's getting better in your health, and you're like, hey God, where are you? And you seem so silent, and where are you? and maybe as I mentioned this silent you know time between Malachi 4 6 and Matthew 1 you're like you know what I know a little bit what that feels like because I've had a silent night or some nights or even maybe it stretched way beyond that it feels like you've had a silent season in your life maybe that you're walking through that right now so with that in mind in our remaining time that we have together this morning I want to try and answer a couple of questions what is God up to when it's silent. What is God up to when it's silent? What, what was God up to? And we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit, you know, not a whole lot because we don't have a whole lot of time. But what was God doing during 400 years of silence? What is God doing in the silent moments and seasons and nights of your own life? And then sort of the flip side of that question, you just have to ask, what is God doing during those times when it's silent? Uh, you know, apparently, and you're like, God, where are you? No answer to prayer. Don't hear you. No promptings, no leadings, you know, no voice. The question then also becomes for you and me personally, what do we do when it's silent? What, what is God up to? But what do we do when it's silent? So I want to communicate a great truth to you at this point in this talk. And I wanted to stay with you throughout the remainder of the message this morning but actually I wanted to go way beyond that I want the thought it's nothing you know spectacular in terms of it is in terms of the volume of it and how huge it is in terms of truth but it's not like it's deep it's just simple but it's something that sometimes we forget and and here's that truth in those moments when it seems that God is silent it does not mean that God is absent I want to say that again In those seasons or moments or nights of your life when it seems that God cannot be found anywhere, it does not mean, even though he's silent, that he is absent. Now, to launch us on today's journey, I want us to look at one of the central verses of the Christmas story. And guys are going to put it up here on the screen. Here it is. This is Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. And it actually becomes uh, a hint as to what was happening for 400 years leading up to Matthew 1. But I want you to look at it with me. A virgin, who we know as Mary, will have a baby boy who is... Jesus and he will be called let's say this name of Jesus together he will be called what Emmanuel he will be called Emmanuel which means say these four words with me which means God is with us Emmanuel God is with us and again this verse is actually a hint it's a clue about God's activity during all these silent nights but before we dig in a little deeper I want you to see the way that the last book of the Old Testament ends. This is Malachi. Remember, I mentioned the last verse of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter four and verse six. So let's back up a little bit more. Let's go back to chapter one of Malachi, but still the last book of the Old Testament. This is chapter one. It's verse two, the first part of the eight part of of verse two. And I want all of us to read this together, all right? Then we're gonna see something. Let's read it. Help me out. I have always loved you, says the Lord. Let's read this. This is God's message, all right? This is the end of the Old Testament, right there at it. Let's read it one more time. I have always loved you, says the Lord. Now, I want you to hang in here with me for the next few moments, because we're going to get a little technical. At one point in this talk, you're going to feel like, you know what? I've just stepped back in the history class for a moment, but if you hang with me, we'll tie it all together at the end, all right? So, it's like God is saying at the end of Malachi... You know, the curtain is about to close on the Old Testament. It's going to be about 400 years before it opens again in the New Testament. And it's like God is communicating. You just saw it with me up on the screen. It's like God is saying to people, to his creation, hey, I'm about to go silent, and I'm going to be silent for a while. doesn't mean I'm not going to be present. I'm going to be present, but I'm going to be silent. But here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that I have loved you. I, I continue to love you. And I'm always going to love you. I want you to know, this is why God is saying, I've always loved you. I'm about to go silent, but I want you to understand this. I want you to grasp this. I hope you'll never forget it, that I have loved you, I do love you, and I'm always going to love you. And friends, that is so important that you and I hear and grasp and understand in our own lives. It's especially crucial for those of you that right now, you're situated in a silent season and you're like, I'm asking God to do this and I'm, you know, the heavens are brass and God is not speaking. I'm not hearing anything. There's no voices. There's no leadings. There's no promptings. I look for something in the scripture. Nothing's jumping out off of the pages at me. And it just seems that God is so silent. But if you're in one of those silent seasons of your life, fundamentally, I think it's important for you and I to understand this. God loves you with a perfect, unconditional love. And it's love you can't even understand. I can't understand because you and I don't have the capacity to love that way. How many of you know that even people who love you like outrageously still hurt you from time to time? They don't do it intentionally. I hope they don't. But just, you know, life is life and relationships are are relationships and humans are humans and the people that sometimes love us the most actually hurt us unintentionally, but we still. And so we're like, you know, if they love me the way that they love me and I feel hurt, I know how I love people and sometimes I hurt them. I don't mean to hurt them, but sometimes I hurt them. Then a lot of times it's hard for us to fathom a perfect unconditional love like God has. And so for those of you, and this is so important, I want you to wave at me like this. If you're here with me, all right, you dialed in. I want you to understand this, that even if it's silent, it does not mean that God is absent. And it certainly doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. His love for you is at a level that you can never wrap your head, your arms around. It is a perfect, unconditional love. And as the curtain is about to close in the Old Testament, God says, hey, before that happens, before 400 years of silence, we're going to pick up in the Christmas story sometime later, Matthew 1.1. But during this time, I want you to realize I've always loved you, and I'm going to continue to love you. And even if it seems that I'm somewhat silent, it does not mean that I am absent. So let's go back to our earlier question, what has God up to for some 400 years? Now, again, I told you this is going to get slightly technical, but I want you to hang in here with me because I want to tell you three significant things that historians tell us that occurs, again, between the time the curtain closes in Malachi, the end of Malachi, and just as it opens at the time of the Christmas story. Um, three very important things that happen, all right? You're gonna feel like you're stepping back into history class, but that's okay. One significant matter is this. Um, When you're thinking about the Old Testament, as I mentioned to you, is coming to a close and... a lot of you know, or you can reflect back to something that you learned. It was around this time, as the Old Testament is coming to a close, that there is a transition in terms of world power. At this particular time, the world, positionally speaking, power, so, was in Babylon, all right? So, they were like the dominating world power. But as the Old Testament, this is important, and probably never heard this, a lot of you, in this regard, connecting it to the Old Testament. But when when the Old Testament is wrapping up, the transfer of power is going from Babylon to actually Persia. And somewhere around somewhere around 360 BC, about 360 years prior to the time of Christ's birth, there is a leader that emerges from that region. Some of you are going to remember this name again from history. There's a leader that emerges from that region, which is ancient Greece, and his name Philip you remember where he's from? He was called Philip of Macedon. Philip of Macedon, and he was this impressive leader, and he, he accomplished so many different things. And But really, it's not so much the notoriety around Philip of Macedon as it was his son. And, and some of you don't even know, or you don't remember from history class, because that's been like You feel like that's been 128 years ago when you were there, but you will, when I mention his son's name, you're going to be like, okay, now I'm making the connection. He has this son and his son's name is, anybody remember this? His son's name is Alexander. Alexander, so you have Philip of Macedon. he has a son, Alexander, but he's known from history to us as who? Alexander the the Great. Alexander the Great. This is the son of Philip of Macedon. And all this ties in. And all this is going on during this 400 years of silence. Really the first significant thing that happens, or one of the first significant things that happened. And that is, you know, now all of a sudden you've got Alexander the uh, the Great, and he's like this incredible military leader and strategist. And, and uh, a lot of people feel like there's probably never been like a military leader, strategist, or thinker in that way since the days of Alexander the Great. But what he does is the absolute but can remember, there's this transfer of power from Babylon. I know this is technical, but hang with me. From Babylon to Persia, and then uh, uh, Alexander the Great decimates the Persian Empire. And once he does that, he begins to, he begins this unprecedented military uh, invasion of all these countries. And he decreed every time, every time that he would conquer another nation, Alexander the Great. Some of you may be prompted to go back and read a little bit about his life again. So here he is, Alexander the Great. And now he's not only decimated the Persian empire, now he's conquering these, these countries, these nations, like one at a time. And then one of the things, and this is happening during that time of silence between uh, Malachi four six Matthew one one, and that is it becomes really important for Alexander the Great that every time he would conquer another place another region, that he wanted everybody in that region to speak a a quote common language. So uh, his idea in that, and you know, obviously it was um, it was there, And his deal was, hey, every time I conquer a country and I speak, I want when I speak, I want when I speak for them to understand. I I don't want to communicate. And we hear that today and we're like, wow, that just sounds, uh, you know, that just doesn't sit right. That would be like, you know, and it's not going to happen, but we're, we're, we're going to go in, we're going to start conquering all these countries and we're going to immediately demand that they speak our language. But that's what, that's what Alexander the Great is doing. He initiated this decision. He said, everybody's going to speak a common language. How many of you already know he wants it to be his language, and his language, and it really matters. This doesn't sound like it matters, but it really does matter. His language was Koine Greek. And so he wanted everybody, because when Alexander the Great spoke, he wanted everybody to understand what he was saying. So now, as I conquer you, you're going to speak my language again, Koine Greek. Now, I have to ask you, and we're not quite got to where this is sort of connected yet, but I have to ask you right here, I've got to do a pause of time out and say, you know, even though Alexander the Great initiated this decision, was God actually working behind the scenes of this so that one day, like today or this season, you and I would be able to read the Christmas story from the Bible? Well, I wanted to save it for later, but let me go ahead and kick it out. How many of you know the New Testament was not written in English? You already know that, right? It's Translated into English, but what was the original language of the New Testament? What was the original language? Koine Greek. Alexander the Great said, everybody's going to speak it because when I speak, I want everybody. And so I ask you, is this, is this that is going on? Is it bigger than Alexander the Great? And I have to tell you, I think it is because now there's going to be a common language. Now, uh, enough about that. I need to keep moving. Consider the second reality, and we're talking about 146,000 silent nights, this time between when the current closes in the Old Testament, opens on the New Testament. Consider this second reality. So there is, we've said first of all, the accessibility of a common language, but now another world power is on the scene later that surfaces many years, by the way, after Alexander the Great has already died how many of you know what the, the emergence of this next empire is? It, it is a forceful huge empire it is what it is the the roman empire the roman empire And this is a big deal, and there's a lot that we could say about this, but again, my time and I'm watching my clock tick down, and uh, so I don't have a lot of time uh, to really talk about this, but one of the things that the Roman Empire did that was so influential, and this comes into play actually as we get into the New Testament, is one of the things that the Roman Empire did is that they created a military peace. And that may not seem like a big deal, but it actually became a big deal. And one of the primary things that it helped to accomplish is that for the first time, like ever. history, people were a- able to travel with a greater sense of security. And that matters a lot. And, and we don't quite get that because we think anytime we get in the car and we go anywhere that, um, you know, it's, it's going to be safe to travel, a sense of security. And for me, most of the time, I probably only remember t- two times when I didn't really feel safe when I was traveling. One time i have been up to visit my dad You know, who lived in South Georgia, and I was coming back home to Lakeland, and uh, there was a Chick fil A open. I felt God leading me to stop and go in it. And so it just so happened this Chick fil A was in Gainesville, Georgia. Does it, I mean, Gainesville, Florida? Does anybody else know what sort of around Gainesville, Florida? Anybody, okay, you know that, all right? Don't try to spiritualize, it's not spiritual. You know, I hear you getting excited, all right? But so I walk in to a Chick fil A in Gainesville, Florida. And and I see people looking at me, and I'm like, you know, you know, as a guy, you think, did you're just checking, like, you know, uh, and and I'm like, what? And then I realize I look down, I've got a Georgia bulldog shirt standing in the middle of gators. I was in the camp of the enemy. It's the only time, one of the only times. I felt unsafe. No, I really didn't. I took a little ribbing. A couple of people uh, said, hey, you got a lot of guts, just laughing, smiling, being kind. But you got a lot of guts to wear that T-shirt in here. And, there's, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, I didn't mean to. I forgot and, you know, all of that. The other time, this is a number of years ago, I was traveling with a missionary and he wanted to take me uh, to a region and he described it to me, and then he just said, "Hey, I I want us to see this region. I, I'll not name the country because um, I don't want you to think I'm being disrespectful of the country. But I'm," uh, he says, "Let's go." And so we drive a good long ways, and then we start up this mountain. He's gonna he he has been up into this area. He's worked, he's served, he's taken the message of Christ in this area. But I've got to tell you, and I've seen a lot of poor places, but it's the poorest place I'd ever seen before or since. And he said, "I I want to take you. I'm gonna introduce you." To some of the families, but I want you to see the conditions. And so, uh, we we went this route, and we're just winding through this mountain, get up into this village, and we see it, and we visit, and we're there a while, and we get ready to leave. And I noticed, I noticed that we're going down a completely different way it's like the road we came up on and I'm like I said to him in fact I called his name and I said "Uh, where are we going and where are you taking me now because we're it it appears to me we're going a different route and he said oh yeah we're going a different route I said well why we're going somewhere else he said no we're going back to where we came from he said but did you see at different points as we were coming up this mountain there were people standing around and he said if we were to turn around and go back down the same road that we came up this mountain, there would be people waiting for us, and they in this vehicle they would take this vehicle from us. They'd just leave us. That, they'd take it, and we'd be stranded out in the middle. So I said, "Drive on, baby. Just so you keep going. You keep going this this way." I I, you know, I figured if they took the vehicle, that that, you know, I'm not a missionary, but that just didn't sound fun to me. And but the Roman Empire said, "You know what?" This military peace that was established, and there was like an official name for it, it made it possible so people could travel with a greater sense of security. So there is a common language, and again, I'll hurry on this. There is a Roman military peace. Then thirdly, and you're saying, does this tie, and does it matter? Why are you even mentioning this? And I'll tell you in just a moment. The Roman Empire also became responsible for a much improved road and transportation system. So not only now would people be able to travel with a greater sense of security, but also they could go further and faster than people had ever been able to travel before. Now, so all I'm gonna say about that, but even as I say what I've said, some of you are already ahead of me. So during the 400 years, these 146,000 silent nights all of these things, these three momentous things, and more, by the way, it happened, but these were monumental for how it would begin to play out as we the curtain raises in the New Testament. And you have to ask the question, what was God doing between that closing curtain at the end of the Old Testament, the opening curtain of Matthew? And I'll tell you what God was doing. All right, this is so beautiful when you think about it. God was actually rearranging and positioning the world stage to cause the message of his love, and the message of his grace, and the message of his forgiveness to be advanced and spread with greater ease than it had ever happened before. Alexander the Great, we're all going to speak a common language. We're all going to speak my language. What's my language? Koine Greek. New Testament written, now translated for us. Safer and faster travel. Following Jesus' resurrection, they'd be the first, like Christian missionaries that would scatter out from Jerusalem. And they would go to all of these other places and they would take the message of Jesus and they would be able to travel safer and faster and further with the message of Jesus than they had ever had been able, way more possible than had ever occurred in the Old Testament. And I love the way that later, and I'm about out of time, so I need to wrap this up, but I love the way that the Apostle Paul We'll say this years down the road. Current's already raised early, and then Paul's reflecting on some things. Look at what Paul has to say. The guys are going to put this right here. This uh, He's writing to believers in Galatia, and he said, when the right time came, when the right time came, and now the right time had come, God sent who? That's the Christmas story. When the right time came, When everything, when God, when it seemed like he was doing nothing, that he was on a 400-year sabbatical, that he had just unplugged from everything, and like God wasn't speaking, talking, and a lot of times people think, well, God wasn't even working. God was working, and when the right time came, God sent Jesus who was born of a woman, Mary, and lived under the law, God did this so that he could buy freedom for those who were under the law and so that we could become, we, 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 here in 2018, so that we could become what? Children of God. Now, does this reality have anything to do with your life? Absolutely it does. Because you see, in the silent moments, in the silent nights, in the silent seasons of your life, that you will walk through and everybody at some point will walk through them. You will. I will. You're going to be inclined to believe that God's silence reflects his absence. However, God's track record says otherwise. The fact is, and you need to know this, no matter what you're going through right now, even if it feels like God is a million miles away and you've prayed and you prayed and you prayed and God is not answering. Maybe you say, you know, I just want to sense God. I don't even sense God. It seems like God has just, uh, you know, vacated himself away from my proximity. Even when it seems like that, God's track record says otherwise. He's actually, according to the Bible, he is actually right there with you, working behind the scenes of your life, doing things when you don't even realize that God is working on your behalf. The most frequent promise in the Bible from God is this promise, and you've got to grab onto it today, and you've got to hold on to it for the rest of your life. This is God's most frequent promise when God says, "I am going to be with you. I'm going to be with you always." So God's working. What is he doing when it seems silent? God's still working. When you go to sleep at night, guess what God's still doing? God is still working. When you awake, when you go about your day, God is working, God is working, God is working. So if it's silent, doesn't mean that God is absent. If it seems silent, it doesn't mean that God is not working on your behalf. But what do you do? What do I do? You and I do this. We remember, we remember what we saw in Matthew chapter one, just a moment ago, when God said the right time came, God said, I'm going to send a son and he's going to be Jesus and you can call him. You shall call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us, God with us. So what we do during those dark nights, during those silent nights, we keep on trusting and we keep on holding on to truth. And the truth is, even if it seems that God is not there, God is there. Even when it seems that God is silent, he is still working and I can trust him. In the darkest time, In the most silent nights of my life, God is still working on my behalf. Now, here's two verses we've seen last week, this week. We're going to close out. In fact, you can go ahead and stand with me because we're out of time. But uh, John, again, he's reflecting on this later, and he's reflecting on everything that he had seen and heard and everything that he knew personally and firsthand. And it's really where we're drawing the the theme of this series from. John said, in Jesus, there was life. And that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, in the silence, and the darkness has not overpowered it. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes with me right now? Some of you are at a time in your life where it's dark, where it's silent. You've not only had a silent night or two, maybe you've been in a silent season in your life. Maybe you just feel like, where's God? I need help in my, in my family. Where is God? Why is God not speaking to me? Why is God not helping me? I need God's help. I've been trying to move this business forward. I've been trying to dig out of my debt. I've been trying to get do things right. I've been trying to get off of these things that are so addictive to my life. I'm trying to break. And what does it seem? Why does it seem? And I promise you, God is right there with you. And he's working behind the scenes in your life. But if it just seems right now so dark and so quiet and you're like, hey, you know, Jeff, I just need to be reminded that God is there. Would you just pray for me? And I want to do that right now. But if that's you, would you just lift up your hand real high, wherever you are, just lift up your hand real high. We've all been there. Man, I would have been lifting my hand. I would have been lifting both of my hands about two years ago. And I'd be saying, pray with me, pray with me, pray with me. If that's you, just lift up your hand. Now, keep it up for just a moment. It's all right. We've all been there or we're all there, or we're going to go there. You just got to know that. So keep your hand up if you did that. Now, I want everybody else to just look around, and if you see somebody with their hand raised, I want you to just walk over to them, all right? Don't have to say anything to them. You don't have to do anything, but if you see somebody with their hand raised, and if you raised your hand, don't put it down now, but I want you to just walk over to them, and just like I would do with Stephen, just walk over to them, and and just put your hand on their shoulder, because when I pray in just a moment, you're going to be praying with them too and for them too. So you just walk over to them. And would you just, as I pray this final prayer, would you just pray for them? God, I just pray right now for that person that raised their hand. We've all been there. A lot of us know what this is like firsthand. Others of us, we're going to go through it. We don't even know we're going to go through this in the future, but we're going to have some some silent times, some quiet times, some times when we say, God, God, where are you? What are you up to? What are you doing? Why won't you speak? And I just pray for these that are standing, for these that lifted their hand, that this is what it seems like right now in their life. And, Lord, I pray that you would just help them to understand that you would lead me, not even knowing their circumstance to share this talk today is just your messenger to remind them, yeah, you're there. You're going to help them. You're working behind the scenes and you're going to bring an answer and you're going to bring a solution and you have not forsaken them and you have not forgotten them and you have not abandoned them. You are indeed Emmanuel, God with us. And at the right time, you're going to do exactly what you have set out to do. And we thank you for it in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Yeah, let's give Jesus some praise. We can do that. Hey, I love you, everybody. Hopefully, I'll see you tonight and most certainly next Sunday. And be sure to bring somebody with you.